Welcome to the Rugby Rant Podcast Show, your premier North American rugby podcast. Growing rugby, one fan at a time. When we pick up the ball, we also pick up a legacy. A legacy that stretches beyond your current team. A legacy built on the backs of those who came before you with hard work. And for those who will come after you, we promise it won't be easy. But we'll be there, supporting you on and off the field. And welcome, Rugby Rant fans, to the Rugby Rant podcast show and the Run, Pass, or Kick uh, interview. We're here with a super special guest uh, this week, and um, I get them all to myself, which which I appreciate because we've had some conversations over the last couple of weeks. I've been blessed enough to be able to you know, have some contact with uh, head coach of the Seattle Seawolves, Alan Clark, or Clarky as he's known as, out in the Northwest. Um, Clarky comes to the United States, uh, having eight caps for Ireland, having played for Ulster, 99, uh, Heineken cup champion played for Northampton States. We'll talk a little bit about that. Um, started to develop his, his coaching CD under Ulster, uh, and Ireland, um, coach with the U twenties under Ireland and the A's, the Ospreys, and then kind of an interesting twist here in the United States. Uh, was named to be the director of rugby for Dallas until they pulled out. And then, um, smartly enough, the Seattle Seawolves picked him up and have had a great run for the past two seasons with Clarkie at the helm. So, Coach Alan Clark, welcome to the Rugby Rand Podcast Show. Many thanks, Rob. I'm delighted to be on. Um, I hope I can live up to the expectations Oh, and I have no doubt you will, uh, and we'll kick it off uh, right with the first question. I bet you- I mentioned uh, that you had played with the Northampton Saints, and in some past conversations, of course, you shared with me um, that you had been in Chicago uh, in their last major amateur tour in 1994. So I got to ask you, run, pass, or kick? Um both professional amateur sides alike have traditions like rookies carrying the mascot, you know, that sort of thing. What was the Saints tradition while on that tour here to the United States? Oh, definitely passing on that. <laughs> okay. Fair dinkum. Fair. We'll buy that. It was probably something left to keep with the lads, right? Yeah, absolutely. That was uh, the days of as the last amateur tour, we had an absolute blast. So, um, yeah, there, there are too many people who have moved on in life now, and uh, I think that's um, great memories, uh, but a different era. Absolutely. Well, I don't, have, I don't know if they have the uh, seven-year statute of limitations there in the U.K., but we definitely have it here in the United States. So, But we'll, we'll allow you to fly clear of that one. Yeah. <laughs> so sure. let's, let's – Go on to question number two. We'll get a little bit more serious. You know, when you were playing, um, I think you ended your career in, in 2001, if I'm not mistaken. 
Um, when you were playing run, pass, or kick, was it always your intent to get into coaching once you hung up the boots, or did it just kind of, you know, matriculate to that? I'll run on that. Um, yeah, um, fortunately, during my time at Northampton, I was coached by Ian McGeegan, who um, was a huge influence on me in terms of recognizing my skill sets as, you know, a, a small man playing international rugby in those days at 96 kilos. Um, but um, he he saw something in me in terms of coaching um, and asked me to coach a, a local club that were affiliated to the Northampton Saints. And that gave me a real taste and flavor for it. And yeah, from there, um, I grew to have a passion. And when I went back home in 1999 to finish my career with Ulster, um, I was actually offered a contract in 2001. And at that stage, um, I felt, you know, I'd had a really good career. I'd just come off a pretty serious injury. Um, and I, I wanted to back myself to go into the world of coaching. And, you know, I've been very fortunate with the roles uh, that I've, uh, experienced and it's given me a, a real breadth of understanding of player development, of people, uh, and of the professional game. Hundred percent. Now, what's interesting? You mentioned Ian McGeekin. I mean, he has got one heck of a coaching tree underneath him that he's developed over the years over there in UK. I mean, of course, with British and Irish Lions, no doubt. But you know, he's developed some great, great coaches. Yeah, he has, and. Um, what Geach has, um, he's got a, a tremendous people skills, a tremendous feel for people, as well as a real enthusiasm and, I suppose, future-proof um, um, philosophy of how the game should be played in the collective. And he was the first person who really um, showed me what the, the the picture of rugby, the jigsaw of rugby looked like as a whole before we broke it down into the parts. And he's been a, a great influence on how how I coach and my philosophy towards coaching. It's, it's awesome to have a mentor like that. And, and it's always appreciated because it's somebody you can go back to on occasion to talk to and work through problems or, or some difficulties or challenges you're having within your own squads. Um, and, and maybe you've gotten a chance to do that with, with Ian over the years, but uh, what a special uh, mentor to have in your life. Um, on the coaching note, I want to go to a question from one of your own, or at least somebody that follows the Seawolves quite closely, Liz Hallcraft. Uh, kudos to you, Liz. We appreciate it. Got a chance to meet Liz down, uh, down here in Chicago and enjoyed it. What a wonderful lady and follower of rugby. Uh, and she asked this, uh, so run past your kick, what advice can you give to coaches at lower levels so that they can be more successful in building a strong foundation for future quality players? I'll run with that because it's a, a question that I'm really passionate about. And for me, um, I, I, I compare coaching of rugby uh, to education. And we've got a uh, the elements of the game and our approach to what we coach in the early years has got to reflect the competency uh, of the individual. So um, it's it's similar to elementary uh, education, middle school, high school, you know, uh, college. Um, it what, What's been coached at the professional end isn't necessarily appropriate 
it, it most definitely isn't uh, appropriate for a young person. Uh, at early years, why why do people fall in love with the game of rugby? And as a coach, um, it's really important that the ethics of the game are fulfilled uh, and delivered on a regular basis and more so when my own son was coming through those early years whilst there was ambition within him as an individual I as a parent I wanted him to be coming off the field on a Saturday morning and saying to me dad that was brilliant I can't wait to go back next week rugby's a special sport in that regard um, and whilst it's you know, I'm involved in the professional game. I, I know and I believe that the future of US is based on quality coaches who grow the uh, grow the game at grassroots level. So we have more people falling in love with why rugby is such a special sport. Um, and in that regard, there'll be more players coming through for professional teams in the future and for the USA. I have to agree 100%. I mean, for me, one of the things watching my own kids um, play sports is I grew to appreciate coaches who made my own children better people. It, it, you know, I, I, totally. And um, I, I'm extremely passionate about this because I'm in the, there are five stages of long player development, long-term player development. And I don't want to get into the absolute detail of that, but fundamentals with a capital F-U-N is the most important aspect of uh, coaching in the early years. And it actually makes it more powerful as a coach because you think about the capacity of a young person to understand you got to run forward, pass back, and the detail to that. And I remember very clearly to this day and you know this is this is 20 years ago now my son's first outing in Balamina Academy and the coaches have put in huge preparation there are all these cones dotted around the field and I stood and watched it knowing what was going to happen and um, all these young kids were given instruction but the instruction was too complicated and it was uh, disheartening for the coaches We've got to get kids running around with the ball, playing tag, playing touch, getting loads of touches and then experiencing um, uh, the skills of rugby, the catch-pass element of rugby uh, and the evasion of rugby, not the contact, the evasion of rugby uh, through small-sided games. And kids, kids, even the kids I work with, uh, they love that as well. You know, the more game-related we are, um, the more understanding and uh, the better our players will become. Yeah, you know, so many of the things that you talked about here are, are bringing flashbacks for me. And one of them is, you know, often my own experience, I made things too complicated. And then I, when I thought more about it, I had to back it off and make it more simplistic and think about, you know, what was just bring the, the fun back into it, right? Make it enjoyable for the kids to be a part of. And that's one of the things I think uh, on a greater scale, USA Rugby is missing out of they could simply add a lot to uh, the rugby network and culture in the United States. If they just kind of put into progression, you know, what things need to be developed at, you know, uh, critical developmental stages 
for rugby to continue to grow? Do we, we don't need to develop, you know, put the tackle in right away. We can, what, what age is it appropriate? What age is it put it, you know, a contested scrum? What age is it appropriate to, you know, emphasize, you know, the breakdown, et cetera. And I think, you know, what you just said is, is so elemental and important to the proper development, proper thought about when and how it should be developed. I'll give you I'll give you a really good example, Rob. Um, I went along to watch my son playing games when the competition begins. And as parents, you always want to see your son do well or your daughter do well. And that's the other beauty of rugby union. It's all shapes and sizes. Yeah. Uh, and boy, girl, man, woman. Um, uh, but Alexander, my son, was he's a, he's a big man now. He was a big boy then as well. Um, and, you know, he used to just pass the ball to him and he'd run through people. And two weeks down the line, I spoke to the coaches and said, look, this isn't good for Alexander. And it's definitely not good for the other players, his teammates. So he was only ever allowed to score two tries. And that yeah. developed his passing skills and it got everybody involved in the game. And the club to this day, and Palomino Rugby Club is, you know, Willie John McBride is a, a legend yeah. in rugby. Yeah. That's his club. To this oh. day, the mini rugby department still have that philosophy of um, ensuring that there's a better appreciation of games. And through that, you have everybody involved and everybody enjoying, you know, those festivals, those games, if you wish. Yeah. Instead of whitewashing a team, you know, 76 nil or whatever it is, how about, you know, uh, saying to the kids, hey, you score a couple tries now, we've got to make five passes before we can score. Well, something like that. Two passes, simple, simple as that. You, you certainly yeah. can't score off the first pass. And it, it doesn't take a lot to be creative as a, as a coach to enhance the enjoyment of everybody involved. And that experience is important. 100%. I, I agree. <laughs> Uh, you know, it's it's. I always love when I come into contact with somebody like yourself that has a wealth of knowledge and experience and understanding of, and clear vision and philosophy for how the game should be played. I love it. Um, we're going to switch gears here, Clarky, and go to the quick tap uh, for those fans that have, you know, or just joined us, uh, you know, for the first time. Quick tap. I'm going to give. They're fun. It's designed to be lighthearted. Give us a little bit of insight into who Coach Alan Clark is. But um, I'm giving give him an either or, and he. He has to. He has to take the ball and run with it on these. He can't you're, pass it. You're going to be challenged because I'm not. I'm not renowned for doing fun. It's all <laughs> my energy system. <laughs> so, but we will have fun with this. So, um, uh, at any rate, and and um, you know, he can expound upon it, give it context. He can just leave it where it lies. It's that that part's completely up to Coach Clark. So here we go. The first one: um, better Tuquila coffee, Starbucks or Cowgirls. Well, I better say Starbucks. <laughs> <laughs> you, know, you can say whatever you want. It's it's, it's Starbucks. yours, mate. <laughs> I'm in the I'm in the home of Starbucks. I've got to I got to say Starbucks. All right, no worries. I'm been found to be drinking that myself. All right, here we go. Better to go into the playoffs sixteen and zero. You guys are currently undefeated, or to have suffered at least one loss. thinking folks i'll go 16 and 0 because we're in the world of winning gotcha interesting i always i and and i always like to have a loss just because you know it it, it it's like it gives them a, a with with young athletes you know when i coach young high school kids 
I like having that loss because it makes them hungry. It makes them realize that they're not perfect yet, that they still have to develop and keep striving. It, it probably tells you something uh, where I am with my player group that we haven't got too far beyond ourselves. So yeah, we're in the world of preparing to win. So I don't prepare to be beaten. Yeah, understood. It makes sense, especially with your group. You got some phenomenal players and phenomenal personalities in that core group. All right, next one. Better second best mascot. We know that, uh, of course, uh, Rucky's your favorite mascot. It's been well documented. So we got to go with the second best mascot in the MLR, Kona or King Creole? I like Kona, I have to say. Uh, got a bit of understanding about him. He's calling out whoever the mascot is. He or she was calling out players at the weekend. So, yeah, I'll go with Kona. All right, he's got a little uh, piss and vinegar, and we like that too. All right, now we're going to really throw a challenge at you. It's going to get, it's going to hit home a bit. Um, better in their prime, Sexton or O'Driscoll? O'Driscoll is, you know, it would be in everyone's team as uh, the best thirteen in the world even to this day. In fact, I saw Ian McGeegan release his best 15, world 15, and O'Driscoll was in it. Yeah, I think he both and Delalio had uh, O'Driscoll in the centers. Yeah, 100%. I was fortunate enough to coach both, um, and both of them have got a winning mentality like you won't believe. If you ask them the previous question, they would go 16-0. Yeah. <laughs> Tells you something about that winner's mentality, doesn't it? Yeah. All right, last one. I think I know where you're going to go. Perhaps this one's a softball, but I had to ask because the the time is right and the guest is right. Better bet to win in 2023, France or Ireland? Oof. Um, the smart money will probably go on France because they're playing at home, uh, but the hard mm -hmm. goes with Ireland. Yeah. 100%. I, I like that. Uh, that's a good answer. A good, a good answer. Uh, the heart and head, trying to trying to sort things out, right? All right. We're going to take a break, folks, and come back here after we hear a word from our sponsors. Tighthead Brewing Company is not just Chicago's premier location to watch rugby and enjoy quality ales and lagers. It is also a great place to enjoy local acts performing live music every Thursday and Saturday nights. Additionally, their Wednesday night trivia nights are something not to be missed. Tighthead is located in Mundelein, Illinois, and easily accessible for many Chicagoans, and it is just steps away from the metro. Owner Bruce Durr and the Tighthead staff are dedicated to ensure your micro crew experience is as tight as their beers. Bruce's love for rugby extends beyond the origin of his brewery's name. Tighthead is committed to supporting the rugby community. This includes his support for Lake County RFC and our own Rugby Rant podcast show. Tighthead's tap room is like the familiar rugby clubhouse in which friends and teammates can meet, socialize, and enjoy the wide variety of brews on tap. Regardless of whether your palate enjoys a good IPA or dark bale-aged brew, Tighthead can deliver. Hey, Chicago, when you want rugby, Tighthead Brewing Company will satisfy your thirst. Tighthead, it's worth more than a try. We're back with the run passer kick, and we, of course, have head coach of the undefeated Seattle Seawolves, Coach Alan Clark. Clarky, as he's known, up in the Northwest Territory up there. And we're going to come back with run passer kick. So, next on the docket, 
Run Pastor Kick originally were named director of rugby for the Dallas Jackals in 2021. After they backed out of the season, you were brought to Seattle. So how much of the team's identity, and there's already a quality side there in Seattle, but how much of that team's identity was already there versus what you had to draw out and develop as a coach? Um, that's a good question um, because there's been a huge transition in our squad. Um, for me, the the identity of the Sea Wolves um, comes from the top down um, and the bottom up. But particularly in those early days when I was making a decision whether I was going to uh, remain in Seattle or not, I was greatly influenced by the the qualities of Chris Prentice and Adrian Balfour are two major owners. And they presented to me a very clear vision, which they asked me to deliver. And uh, I believed in that vi vision. Uh, I still do. And really, they've set the bar for what the Seagulls are today. And they've certainly set the bar high. Two championships, uh, you know, uh, finals appearance last year. Um, just a, a, a great, great setup, a great uh, quality, you know, base player base, and of course, a great coaching staff. Um, speaking of player base, run, pass, or kick, AJ Alatimo had a really, really nice 2022 season. Of course, you know, uh, was instrumental in, in taking you guys to the to the final there. For 2023, Seattle brought in Jordan Chait, who has already looked to challenge AJ for the starting job as a couple of starts himself in the 10 shirt so run pass or kick how difficult is it to keep such talented players happy you know you said it yourself top top players are super competitive so how difficult is it to keep those talented players happy as they compete for the 10 shirt it's a real challenge and you know not just the 10 shirt rob um we we looked at um you know what New York had done last season and building that competition throughout their squad. Uh, we assessed where we were at the back end of the season and we knew we needed to have uh, more competition within our group. As a result of that, we got two tens who are, you know, have got an incredible relationship together. Um, probably not something I had in my plan there with the competition within my squads and I admire that, but they're also highly competitive um, and, they bring the best out of each other. And I think the modern day player actually recognizes that if they're going to have longevity of career, they can't play every minute of every game. Um, there's early burnout. And um, we feel we've got, you know, I know I've got two real quality teams, but equally we've got competition throughout our group. And uh, we're needing that at the moment because we're having to dip into certain reserves. The beauty of, uh, our recruitment for Jordan was that Jordan covers 15 as well, whereas AJ covers 12. So they complement each other. Uh, and that was very specific in, in how we went about searching for an additional 10 who could lead us if required. Those are two really excellent options uh, to, to move those players around like chess pieces and have the best tactical advantage. It's kind of interesting you mentioned, you know, player longevity. Um, Johnny Wilkinson has come out very recently and just, you know, mentally how he struggled because he felt like he needed to be on the pitch all the time. And, 
you know, it's a, it's a nice release, I suppose, for guys like Jordan and AJ to know that there's somebody right there that can, to, you know, take that shirt and play just as well. And the team won't lose any momentum or hasn't lost anything, you know, as they go into, uh, as they go into a weekend, that's a really nice luxury. And it probably gives them a lot of mental safety, if you will, um, yeah. which is nice. It certainly gives the team that mental, uh, confidence to if things won't change and you know they are they've got similar traits um uh, and they've also got their own unique um styles that they bring which is fitting to certain conditions and certain oppositions so uh, it stops us being predictable as well which i really like and yeah. we can change your game if required again great two great options um boy they they uh, challenged uh, of course they challenged aj Challenged the Hounds quite a bit, uh, just with his tactical kicking ability. Just a few weeks ago, he was he was amazing. Put on a show. Um, I, I I know you've got limited time here, so I want to I want to keep it moving, as they say here in the Midwest. Um, run passer kick. Many unions are lowering the tackle height at the club level. This includes the RFU, France, and South African unions. So run past or kick, are you in support of this movement? And they did so at the club level again. I don't know if they have intentions of, of you know, matriculating this up. But are, are you in support of this movement? Uh, I'm certainly in support, Ron. Uh, I'm certainly in support of uh, addressing and honing in on the safety and around the tackle. Um, uh, I think we, we really need to consider uh, the situations that – um, may develop if it's purely uh, waist down below because if it's a double tackle, you're going to have double clash of heads from the tacklers and possibly the ball carrier dropping his head. So um, right shoulder tackle uh, by one of our players on a ball carrier and then a left shoulder tackle on the other side of that player, there's, there is the potential for head on head. And that's why low high technique is high in terms of uh, chest plate and below um, is is what we drive at the top end of the game. So first man low, second man high on the ball. Um, and those are known as your doubles. So that I feel um, there needs to be a lot of thought put to that uh, before it's actually um, passed as law. I, you only have to look at the RFU coming out and saying that mm -hmm. they were going to run with that um, and then the whole amateur game going up in arms and they've retracted from that based on the fears of head-on-head -head from two young people going in and tackling the same person. Yeah, so it's not just about uh, what the laws are, but also about how you implement those laws and roll them out uh, to the community game. Absolutely, and who's coaching it um, and the precision around the coaching off mm. uh, the tackle because you're going to have knees pumping at the head now if you purely look at ankle to knee or in and around that hip region. So rugby's an extremely dynamic game. For me, it's more important to focus on below the chest plate um, and underneath the shoulders and we're, we're diligent in terms of our coaching of that and we're diligent in terms of how that's officiated on the field. Yeah, that, that, I think you're spot on there and I hope that the United States is, is the uh, USA 
rugby union starts to examine this, and I'm sure that they will, gives a lot of thought and, and as to how, how it's going to be implemented and how they're going to roll it out and pays attention to what other unions are doing successfully and unsuccessfully for that matter. Because uh, the, I mean, in my mind, USA Rugby needs to make sure that they, they hit a, uh, at least a, in baseball terms, a single every time. You know, they can't strike out because they've had too many strikeouts as of late. They've got to build uh, trust in the rugby community, and that would start with the proper management of this issue when it comes our way. Um, last question for you, Clarkie. Again, I know you, you've got a training to attend to, uh, but a real, uh, real interesting question here. And again, we're going to go with the run, pass, or kick framework here at 6-0. The Seawolves are an odds-on favor to represent the Western Conference in the final. Now, we won't get too far ahead of ourselves, but certainly you're – you guys are favorites at this point. You have to be, okay? Good win against, uh, got, you know, Nola by one point, came back to, to take that one back. Um, your team played at SeaKeek Stadium just a couple weeks ago. So run, pass, or kick. What is your take on Chicago being named as the neutral venue, okay, for the MLR final for the first time? Yeah, um, I, I know there are various run, uh, various uh, – views on on the early naming of the stadium for the final um, i feel it gives everybody a chance um and you know, teams can and supporters can begin to uh, map out what the journey may look like um, as a coach i don't get too far ahead of myself so i go from week to week but um you know you only have to look at europe you look at international sporting tournaments um but Europe, in terms of the European Cup, um, uh, you know, they designate where that's going to be played a year in advance. So, I, you know, the MLR are using a model that is used elsewhere in the world and it's been successful. Yeah, I agree. And I think right now, uh, and I've said this before on the show, um, that there are some stadiums that just aren't prepared to host an MLR final just yeah. in terms of fan experience um, and, and New York experienced that last year, right? They had to move it, you know, and, and go to Red Bull within a week. Um, and so given that not all teams are, or clubs are there yet, you know, naming it early, allowing fans a chance to go. And I number of rugby 100 or uh, sorry, um, uh, the, the 100 club members there in Seattle are already planning a trip to the final. Um, and so, again, that's what that's what rugby union's about. Regardless of who's in the final, you know you're going to a great stadium. Uh, there's plenty of room around it. Chicago will be, you know, beautiful that time of year. And you know, the Chicago um, owners and the the business people associated with the club are fantastic. They know what rugby's about. Uh, it's a it's a perfect venue for a final. Absolutely, and. I think it's great support also from the MLR. Rob, sorry to cut across you, no, but for the MLR to recognise a new club and to give it the energy. If we really want to grow the game, we've got to think beyond just the teams competing on the field. We've got to think of how we can support each other throughout the country to really ensure rugby does become a top-class sport, a sport that... Um, begins to compete with the, the more stellar sports and historical sports of the USA. No doubt. And with folks like you leading the charge, uh, I have no no doubt in my mind that we'll get there. We'll get where we want to go. Such great vision, such 
great philosophy that you have on the game and how to grow it and how to develop players and manage players. Um, Coach Clark, it's been an absolute pleasure to share, you know, some time with you. Uh, and, and I've gotten to know you a little bit more over the last couple of weeks. And you're just one of those guys that, um, along with uh, Sam Harris, that I've grown to appreciate and, and not just for their coaching acumen, for the, but for their outlook and take on, on rugby and, and life and how to blend the two in a positive way. So um, thank you very much. And before we go out, um, I'll give the floor to you. Is there anybody you would like to extend a, a, a thanks to or, or a charity that you want to throw out there that, that people can go to to support something that means a lot to you? Uh, well, I'd like to pass on my thanks to everybody who's welcomed me to uh, Seattle. Um, uh, we've got a wonderful fan base and, you know, I'd also like to thank my players for making um, or allowing me to come to work every day excited uh, to do a role that I absolutely love. I, I said when I first arrived here that my intention is that the boys would uh, pitch up uh, each day knowing that they were going to love the day. Um, and I, I haven't lost that for one single day. Um, in terms of... Um, uh, charities, uh, Happy Bundles, which one of our players is associated with, and his his wife Candice Creel and Dan Creel. Uh, in fact, Dan's with a young uh, young person today, supporting them through Happy Bundles. I'd also like to give a, a big shout out to a, a local field here, uh, which is the Pat Ryan Field that mm -hmm. Valley Rugby Club are working hard to secure, and uh, you know because of the the grassroots development of players and that home that's been there for so many years. So um, any support for those two uh, charities would be greatly appreciated. There you go, folks, two great charities, uh, one on the rugby side and one on the personal side, certainly important to Dan Creel and his family um, who means so much to the Seattle rugby community. Um, Coach Clark, thank you so much for taking time out of your busy schedule. We wish you the very best as you continue to be in the hunt for the MLR Shield in 2023. And uh, hope, you know, uh, we may just see you back here in Chicago uh, in a few short months. So good luck to you, mate. It was an absolute pleasure. Folks, you can check us out um, on all social media forums, um, on all platforms where you get your podcast from, you know, Apple to Google to, you know, Spotify, et cetera. Um, and of course you can check out coach Clarkie and the work that he does on the rugby network. Uh, and of course, uh, FS one, I'm sure there'll be a game of the week moving forward. Coach Clark, thank you so much. It's been an absolute pleasure, my friend. Uh, likewise, Rob, uh, and thanks for the opportunity. Keep up the good work. It's, uh, it's fantastic to see people like yourself really passionate about the game. And, um, I suppose, uh, sharing, sharing that to audiences all around the country. Thank you. And we hope to do that one fan at a time. And folks, fans of the Rugby Rant, we'll see you at the next. <laughs>